Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, it's Seat Kulazinac. Welcome to the Arsenal Audio Program. Europa League, Thursday, 8th of November 2018. Arsenal v Sporting. Kickoff, 8 pm. Contents The manager. The captain. Voice of Arsenal. The academy. Arsenal v Portugal. Meza Erzil. Life at the top. Match action Liverpool Europe Arsenal women Visitors sporting Teams Head coach Unai Emery As the focus switches back to European competition, the head coach wants to wrap up top spot tonight. I was happy with our performance on Saturday because I thought we balanced the way we controlled the game well against them. When you play a team like Liverpool, it's very difficult to stop them having chances. We needed a little luck in some moments of the match and also we needed when we were attacking to find our goal. I think one all was a good result for us considering how we did in the 90 minutes, especially after we were 1-0 behind but we are only 50% happy. It was a game that we could have won, but also lost over the balance of the 90 minutes. One characteristic of Liverpool is their intensity and the impact of their big players. So Saturday was a good test for us. We need more in our work and tactically also, but the spirit was like we wanted and also the atmosphere was very big with the supporters pushing for 90 minutes. It was a very good spectacle for them and for us. The progress takes time. In football, it's very difficult to ask for a lot of time, but we need it. A good example was against Manchester City and Chelsea at the start of the season, and then comparing it to the Liverpool game at the weekend. I think out of those three matches, Saturday's was the most competitive game for us. On to tonight's game, and we know what the prize is for winning this game. So for us, the focus is all about tonight, because our target has always been to finish first in this group. A victory tonight could give us that, so that is the priority, but it's also a game to continue to improve our work, to build the confidence in the players, and also to give them chances to play. But we will not change the team just for no reason. We will only change to get the best performance. The most important thing is to arrive on the pitch and to play the game in the spirit that we've shown lately in all the games. That is how we could get victory. We could win the group with two games to spare, but let's not think about that yet. 
I am thinking and preparing only for the match, thinking about the best management of the squad with each game. Then, when the time comes, we can think about the other matches and how we approach them. We also know that after this weekend, we'll have two weeks for the international break, which could also be the moment to let some of our players have a rest. We will also have the time to be able to analyse everything with a bit more calm. We've already played sporting in this group, so we know about them, and the first thing to say is I have a very big respect for them, and for their history, which is very big. They are a very big team in Portugal, and produced players such as Figo and Cristiano Ronaldo. They came through the academy, and that deserves respect. They have very big players now as well, and although they've changed their coach recently, they're continuing with a good, well-organised team on the pitch, and this will be a difficult match for us. One of their experienced players is Jeremy Matto, who I know well from my time managing Valencia. I signed him from Toulouse, and he grew up with us at Valencia. Then he went to Barcelona, where he played at left-back or left-sided centre-back. He played for the national team also, and now at Sporting, he has a lot of experience. It will be good to play against him again, and hopefully we can come out on top against him. Looking around the rest of the Europa League this season, you can see there are some very big teams in there, and once this group stage is finished, there will be some very good sides left in. For us, there are a lot of challenges. The competition is at a very high level, and I think that's good for the Europa League overall. Finally, some news on our injured players. At the moment, we are continuing with the rehab of Dinos Mavropanos, who is also training with us but not ready yet to start playing with us. Laurent Kotelny is similar, but he's getting better in each training session with us. With calmness, he's getting nearer, closer to being with us in the competitive games. At the moment, we are happy with him. He's feeling well, but after some months without training with the team, I think the most important thing is he stays every day with us to get better. We're going to think after the international break how we can continue working and how we can start playing games. And then Nacho Morel. At the moment, we're very precautionary with him because we don't want to repeat the same injury. At the moment, he's starting to train, but he isn't in the group for tonight. Every matchday programme, we provide extra background info on our head coach. Unai has suffered just one defeat in his 21 group stage games in the UEFA Europa League so far. As well as four matches in charge of Arsenal, he also managed Valencia and Sevilla in this competition. And his record in group games is 1-12, drawn 8, lost 1. The defeat came away to Feyenoord in 2014-15, but his Sevilla side ended up winning the trophy that year. Captain Laurent Koscielny. Info born to France September the tenth, nineteen eighty five. Joined Arsenal from Lorient on july the second, twenty ten. Previous clubs Goncamp, Tour, Lorient. Arsenal debut versus Liverpool. Away League August the fifteenth, twenty ten. Drew one one. First Arsenal goal versus Bolton Wanderers at home. League, September the 11th, 2010, 1-4-1. Arsenal Honours, FA Cup winner 2014, 2015, 2017. Community Shield winner 2014, 2015. The captain is hoping we can take our form from Saturday into tonight's match. Laurent was speaking to Julian Lawrence.
We are back at the Emirates tonight, four days after the game against Liverpool. What a big performance from the boys on Saturday, and what an incredible atmosphere inside the ground. I said in my last programme notes that this game against Liverpool was a big test for us, to see how far we had gone since the Manchester City and Chelsea matches, how much we had improved, and to see if we could compete against the best. It was such a positive day for all these points. We had to deliver, and we did. In the quality of the passing, the movement, the intensity, the aggression, the spirit, and the attitude, the team was excellent. We showed mental strength as well to come back, once again, from behind, to get something out of the game. The content of our display was very good, and we were happy. We deserved a point, and the draw is a fair result in the end, I think. Everyone played well, but we knew that the key in the game would be in midfield. That's where Liverpool usually win their matches, but Granite and Lukas bossed it and totally dominated the midfield area. Liverpool didn't have their usual grip on the game, and that enabled us to dictate our play and put them under pressure. We won the battle in midfield, and it meant they played much deeper than usual, leaving us with space to exploit between the lines. We kept the ball so well too, beating their press. Our game plan worked very well, despite conceding a goal. Lukas has settled in so well. He was always going to need time to get to know the players, get used to the league, the style of football, the culture. But he has adapted quickly. The other Spanish speakers in the squad have helped him a lot in that respect. He is in great form, and we see how much he is bringing to the team. In my notes, I often highlight how good it is when we reproduce during a match what we have been working on at training. It was the case again on Saturday with Lucas' goal. It was a very good passage of play where every player was pretty much involved in the build-up until Alex's great ball for Laka. I loved how Laka knew exactly where he was in the box, where the Liverpool keeper and defenders were. It was all about his striker's instinct, but also about the team's effort and the collective move. We do it at training, and we did it in a match once more. I think Sead Kolasinac deserves credit as well, for his first league game of the season, and what a game as well, and only his second in all competitions after Carabag away, he did really well, defensively and defensively. As you can imagine, it was a happy dressing room after the game. We were really happy with the performance and we were buzzing with the atmosphere. The Emirates was rocking from start to finish on Saturday. You, the fans, made such a difference. You fully played your role of 12th man and you gave us extra energy to keep pushing and keep going in the game to get a draw. Just a word as well on the armbands the boys wore with the Leicester Fox on them. What a great and class touch by the club. This is the kind of thought that makes Arsenal so special and different to other clubs. We welcome Sporting tonight in the Europa League with a chance to book our place for the next round already and also be pretty much assured to finish top of the group. It is a great opportunity for us, but we know it will be a tough game. Despite their struggles and off-the-field issues, Sporting are a really good team and with top players like Nani, Bastos and Bruno Hernandez. I will see my friends, Jeremy Mathieu, who played under Unai Emery at Valencia, and with me for France, and Roman Salin, 
who was my goalkeeper at Tours more than ten years ago now. Finally, I wanted to update you on my personal situation. I am hoping to play a game with the under-23s and maybe a friendly at the training ground in the near future. I will need game time to get my match rhythm back and I can't get it by just coming on for ten or five minutes there and then. Once again, thank you as always for your amazing support. Keep it coming because it really makes a difference. And come on Arsenal! Voice of Arsenal. Rambo wins goal of the month. The votes have been counted and verified, and we can announce that Aaron Ramsey's goal against Fulham has won one of our most hotly contested goal of the month awards since its inception. Rambo's effort, a clever back heel at the end of a sweeping team move, finished top with 38% of the total vote, enough to beat Pierre Emerick. Aubameyang's finish against Leicester, following similarly delightful build-up, into second place by just 2%. Granit Xhaka's thunderous free kick against Crystal Palace was third. All three goals are in one clip on our club Instagram channel. Take a look and enjoy. Socrates, Emile, Matteo, off the mark. Our 3-0 Europa League win away at Quarabag before the international break was a special one for three of our players. Socrates, Emil Smith-Rowe and Matteo Guendouzi all scored their first goals for us in Baco, becoming the 502nd, 503rd and 504th players to score for our first team in the process. Europa League stats 2018-19. Goals, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Danny Welbeck, Two, Mesut Ozil and Emil Smith-Rowe and Socrates and Matteo Guendouzi all have one. Passes, Rob Holding, 205. Matteo Guendouzi, 204. Socrates, 201. Mohamed Elneny, 171. And Lucas Torreira, 141. Chances created, Alex Awobi, six. Henrik Mkhitaryan, Mohamed Elneny, four. Aaron Ramsey and Sayat Kolasinac, 3, Mesut Ozil, Nacho Monreal, Alexander Lacazette, Lucas Torreira and Matteo Guendouzi, 2. Crosses, Henrik Mkhitaryan, 11, Stefan Licksteiner, 7, Mohamed Elneny, 5, Granit Xhaka, Lucas Torreira, Alex Iwobi, 4 and Mesut Ozil on 3. Awesome Orbers October Award. Congratulations to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the overwhelming winner of our October Player of the Month poll. The 29-year-old was in fine form, scoring five times as we won five, and drew one of our six games over the course of the month. Albert struck a brace after coming off the bench against Fulham and repeated the trick against Leicester City. He was also on target in the two-all draw with Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. In fact, over the course of the month, the Gabon striker averaged a Premier League goal every 28 minutes and 48 seconds. Albert received 55% of the votes cast, with Mesut Ozil and Alex Lacazette finishing in second and third place, respectively. Get well soon, Maria. Everyone at Arsenal would like to wish a very speedy recovery to superfan Maria Petri, who was involved in a car crash after a recent Arsenal Women Open training session. 
Maria, who was with her friend Yoko at the time of the collision, is a supporter many of you will know well, channelling her passion and enthusiasm into creating an array of chants which are often heard at Emirates Stadium, Meadow Park and wherever else our men, women and academy sides are playing. Get well soon both. We hope to see you back in the stands soon. Brazil and Uruguay announce squads. Brazil and Uruguay have announced their squads ahead of their international friendly at Emirates Stadium on Friday, November 16th. The match will kick off at 8pm UK time and tickets are now on general sale and you can get yours by visiting arsenal.com. We're looking forward to welcoming the following players to the Emirates. For the Brazil squad, Alisson, Edison, Gabriel, Brazeo, Danilo, Dede, Fabino, Philippe Luiz, Marcelo, Marquinhos, Miranda, Pablo, Alan, Arthur, Casemado, Paulinho, Philippe Coutinho, Wallace, Douglas Costa, Roberto Firmino, Gabriel Jesus, Neymar Jr., Richardson and William. The Uruguay squad, Campania, Muziera, Silva, Casares, Cortez, Jimenez, Godin, Lavart, Sarachi, Silva, Bentanker, De Arasqueta, Lodero, Maedera, Nandez, Sanchez, Torreira, Valverdo, Vicini, Cavani, Gomez, Pereiro, Rodriguez, Stuani and Suarez. Group E permutations. A win for us this evening would see us qualify from Europa League Group E. A draw would also be enough to see us through to the last 32, were Quarabag to win at Vosklar. If we win and Vosgla fail to win tonight, we will also guarantee top spot in the group with two games to spare. After this evening's match, we'll compete the group with a trip to Ukraine to face Vosgla on November 29th. Then we host Quarabag in the final game on December 13th. On this day, in 2003... Pires and Jungberg goals gave us a 2-1 win over Tottenham. In 2008, Nasri scores twice in a 2-1 victory at home to Manchester United. Coming up on Saturday, Jens Lehmann turns 49. And on Sunday, Wolves visit in the Premier League. That's a 4.30pm kickoff. Fixture changes. Eight of our Premier League fixtures have been rescheduled due to TV selection we can now confirm that the following games will be played as follows. Arsenal versus Tottenham, Sunday, December 2nd, kick-off 2.05pm, live on Sky Sports. Manchester United versus Arsenal, Wednesday, December 5th, kick-off 8pm, live on BT Sport. Southampton versus Arsenal, Sunday, December 16th, kick-off 1.30pm, live on Sky Sports. Arsenal versus Burnley. Saturday, December 22nd, kick-off 12.30pm, live on Sky Sports. Brighton and Hove Albion versus Arsenal, Wednesday, December 26th, kick-off 5.15pm, live on Sky Sports. Liverpool versus Arsenal, Saturday, December 29th, kick-off 5.30pm, live on BT Sport. And West Ham United versus Arsenal, Saturday, January 12th, kick-off 12.30pm, live on Sky Sports. Arsenal versus Chelsea. Saturday, January 19th, kick-off 5.30pm, live on BT Sport. Our last home match, Saturday's one-all draw against Liverpool, was a fine advert for the Premier League, contested at a furious speed. We've tracked our fastest players on the night, and they're as follows. Hector Bellerin at 33.7 kilometres an hour, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at 33.32 kilometres an hour, and Sayat Kalazanag at 32.55 kilometres an hour. Tours now sign language compatible. 
We're delighted to announce that our Emirates Stadium tour experience will now provide a full-time British Sign Language, or BSL, service. This new provision means that BSL users can now walk up and take a self-guided tour at any time, rather than having to pre-book and wait for a BSL interpreter to be available. Tickets for the stadium tour, which cost £23 for adults and £15 for children, can be booked online by visiting arsenaldirect.arsenal.com. As well as entrance into the director's box, diamond club and dressing rooms, you'll also receive free entry to the Arsenal Museum and a personalised tour certificate as part of the ticket price. If you are a group of 30 or more and would like to utilise the new BSL service, please contact us at tours at arsenal.co.uk to arrange additional handsets. The introduction of BSL handsets is part of our commitment to the club's Arsenal for Everyone initiative, which was launched in 2008 to celebrate the diversity of the Arsenal family. Above and beyond, congratulations to Cree Edwards, who went above and beyond with her programme selling skills against Liverpool recently. Cree deservedly won a Puma jacket, and we'd like to thank her for her sterling efforts on the evening. If you think one of our programme sellers has gone above and beyond, please let us know by emailing programme at arsenal.co.uk. Reported. Anti-Semitic and discriminatory chanting of all kinds is offensive to home and away supporters alike and will not be tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive chanting at the match, you can report it to a matchday steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We're proud of the diverse nature of our team, our supporters and wider community. Thank you for your support and enjoy the game. Ref Watch. Gediminas Madzika. This evening's referee is Gediminas Madzika from Lithuania. Mr. Madzika has refereed one Europa League match so far this season. Sevilla's 5 1 home win over Standard Liege, in which he showed three yellow cards to each team. He also took charge of Finland's 1 0 UEFA Nations League victory over Hungary. Win assigned programme. Rob Holding was one of the standout performers in Saturday's draw with Liverpool and afterwards he signed a copy of the Matchday programme for us to give away. To be in with a chance of winning, just answer the following question. Against which team did Rob score his only Arsenal goal to date? Send your answer to us at Arsenal Programme, Highbury House, 75 Drayton Park, London N5 1BU, or you can email us at programme at arsenal.co.uk. Remember to include your name and address. The closing date for entries is Monday, November 12th at midnight. Good luck. Arsenal Academy, stars of the future. In every programme we take an in-depth look at the Arsenal youth teams, profiling our young guns and bringing you all the latest news and match reports. By Lambros Lambrou. Young gun, Carl Jacob Hine, match reports. The under-18s are on a roll. Remember Rui Fonte? Wunderbar, five-star Rhys Nelson. Young gun, Carl Jacob Hine. Born Polva, Estonia, April the 13th, 2002, height and weight, 6 feet 2, 81.6 kilograms. Joined as a scholar in summer 2018. Position, goalkeeper, boots, Nike Tiempo. I made my debut for the under-18s in our 4-2 win over Reading and, while I would have preferred a clean sheet, I feel happy about my first game. 
I've been in England since the first week of July, having signed in April. I've had to be patient and work hard to get a chance. In my mind, I had to be ready to do my job when called upon, and I focused on training well to do that. The target for me now is to play more regularly, which will help me keep developing. I'm working hard in training to keep improving. I've been working with the first-team goalkeepers in recent weeks, and they are all excellent. Petrachak and Bernd Leno have contrasting styles, but watching them close up is good for me, because I try to learn from them and take the best of both into my game. They are very good to train with. I've also had a lot of contact with a former Arsenal goalkeeper. Matt Poom was my coach at Nom United, and he is also the Estonian national team goalkeeping coach, so I worked a lot with him when I was with the under-17s. He taught me a tremendous amount, and I'm sure that without him I would not have the opportunity that I have now here at Arsenal. He also gave me an insight into what to expect being with the Gunners and football in England, and that helped me a lot. I've settled in quite well. I'd studied English at school for the past eight years, and after a couple of weeks it felt quite natural speaking English. An important part of a goalkeeper's job is communication, and I think I'm able to find the right balance with what the team needs from me in terms of instructions and information. I live in Dick's in Brickett Wood with Robbie Burton, which is a massive help for me. Robbie has been at the club a while and is a good person to talk to. He has helped me to integrate. I go home about once a month and see my family and friends, so I feel I have found a good balance. There was quite a bit of coverage in Estonia when I joined Arsenal because football is the most popular sport there. The quality and tempo of the football here is at a much higher level than back home and that means that I have to be even better and as focused as possible especially as the finishing of the strikers is more clinical. The goalkeeper I looked most to learn from as I developed was Manuel Neuer he impresses me with every aspect of his keeping, and I watch videos all the time to see what I can learn, whether it's his starting positions, body shape, distribution, or decision-making. I analyse and try and learn from everything that he does. Sporting Lisbon will be an interesting challenge this evening. They will want to make amends for the defeat the other week, but at home I feel we will play with even more confidence. I expect us to continue our winning run in Europe. Q&A. Who got you into playing football? My brother. Who was your childhood hero? Edwin van der Sar. Which team did you support as a child? Manchester United. What's the best goal of all time? Zlatan Ibrahimovic versus England in 2012. Who's the best player in the world right now? Cristiano Ronaldo. Most talk to person on WhatsApp. My agent. I usually travel to training. By car. Teammates. Who's never late? Tom Smith. Who's got the best ball skills? Zach Swanson. Who's got the best passing range? Matthew Smith. Who would you trust the most with a penalty? Bokeo Saka. Who's the strongest? Fontedele Campbell. Who is captain material? Harry Clark. Who's the funniest? Zach. Who's the best singer? Vontae. Info. Phone. 
Galaxy S8. Favourite footballer, Manuel Neuer. The best trophy to win in football is World Cup. Fave console, PS4. The best social media platform is Snapchat. My ideal holiday destination is Los Angeles. Best film I've seen recently, Inglorious Bastards. The player I look up to most is Bernd Leno. Under 18, Premier League, Saturday, November the 3rd, Landau Training Centre. Swansea City Under 18s versus Arsenal Under 18s. Swansea 1, Arsenal 3. The scorer for Swansea was Goodjonson in the 45th minute and for Arsenal, Greenwood in the 13th, Smith in the 48th and 90th. The headlines, Greenwood converts second free kick of the season. Smith scores a stunning brace. Arsenal now top the under-18 PL with 24 points. The Young Gunners extended their winning streak to five under-18 Premier League fixtures in a row on Saturday with a 3-1 win at Swansea City. Arsenal started on the front foot and our positive play was almost instantly rewarded. Matthew Smith played a ball into the feet of following Balogun, who was fouled on the turn and awarded a free kick 30 yards from goal. Sam Greenwood then stepped up and curled the ball into the top corner for his second set-piece goal of the season. From there, Ken Gillard's team looked to take control of the game and made a point of playing out from the back, but following an overhit back pass and a wayward clearance, Amor Goodjonson levelled for the hosts on the stroke of half-time. It was a tough blow, but following the break we wasted no time in asserting our dominance once more. Balogun's left-footed effort was blocked inside the box, but Smith then restored our lead with a stunning solo goal. The captain slipped the ball between the legs of his marker on the edge of the box before twisting and turning past three defenders and firing the ball into the bottom corner. We offered the hosts few opportunities to get back into the game and completed the job deep into stoppage time. Smith controlled the ball just inside the box, shifted the ball onto his weaker foot and found the far corner with almost no backlift on his curling effort. The 18-year-old has impressed at under-18 level this season after breaking through last term and his form hasn't gone unnoticed by Freddie Lungberg. Smith has made five appearances in the Premier League 2 this season and proven himself to be a reliable option in the middle of the park. Arsenal under-18s now sit at the top of the under-18 Premier League South on 24 points, having picked up eight wins from nine league outings. Tottenham Hotspur are one point behind, with Chelsea a point further back in third and then a six-point gap to Leicester City. Swansea City remains second bottom with just one win and four points from nine games. Playing for Arsenal were Hine, Daly Campbell, Spencer Adams, McGuinness, Lopez, substituted by Dennis in the 85th minute, Smith, Clark, substituted by Aziz in the 46th minute, Flaherty, substituted by Cottrell in the 59th minute, Musar, Greenwood and Balogun. Subs not used were Grashit and Martin. Premier League 2, Saturday, November the 3rd, Meadow Park. Arsenal under-23s versus Chelsea under-23s. Arsenal 4, Chelsea 5. The scorers for Arsenal were Saka in the 8th minute, Ballard in the 31st, 
and Keaty in the 42nd and 64th minutes. For Chelsea, Anjonin in the 14th, Redon in the 15th, Grant in the 18th, Gallagher in the 62nd and Gilmore in the 83rd minutes. Headlines, Saka scores his second goal at under-23 level. Ankitia takes PL2 tally to six goals. Chelsea scored three times in four minutes. Despite twice fighting back from going behind, Arsenal under-23 slipped to their first defeat in eight Premier League 2 fixtures as Chelsea ran out 5-4 winners at Meadow Park. Freddie Longbow's team held their shape and soaked up pressure from the visitors in the opening exchanges, which allowed Bukayo Saka to break free on the counter and open the scoring with a composed finish into the bottom left corner. But the visitors weren't phased, and just ten minutes later, they found themselves two goals up. Tino and Jorin latched on to a loose ball inside the box and fired into an empty net on 40 minutes before Daishan Redan converted Charlie Wakefield's inch-perfect delivery from close range just a minute later. The Gunners tried to regroup, but the visitors piled on the pressure, and in the 18th minute, Josh Grant leapt high from a corner to make it 3-1. Suddenly, the game changed. Joe Willock's flick across goal fell to the feet of Eddie Ankitia, only for his goal-bound effort to be cleared off the line. But Lundberg encouraged his team to push on, and following a well-worked corner routine on the half-hour mark, Daniel Ballard clawed one back with a thumping header. Chelsea's defence had been rocked, and with three minutes of the first half remaining, Nkitia levelled the scores. Saka fizzed a left-footed shot at goal and forced Jamie Cumming into a great save, but the 19-year-old striker was there to tap in the rebound. The action was unrelenting after the break, and Keatia fell just short of connecting with Robbie Burton's dangerous delivery before Callum Hudson Odoi rattled the post with a curling effort from 20 yards for the visitors. That was followed by two goals in two minutes. Connor Gallagher put Chelsea ahead with a curling free kick from 25 yards, but Keatia levelled the scores again when he pounced on a loose ball and fired past coming for his second of the afternoon. It was an end-to-end in the closing stages with Saka and Hudson Odoi coming close, but it was the visitors who scored the final goal. Billy Gilmore received the ball on the edge of the box and fired into the bottom corner. Lungbo's side now sit in fifth place in the PL2 table, but trail league leaders Everton by just five points. Lungbert said after the final whistle, We need to take more pride in winning games and not just playing good football. We made mistakes and they pounced on them, but we had to work really hard scoring our goals, so the lesson is that if you do make mistakes, you'll get punished. We'll try to sort that out, but it's something that the boys need to take more care of. There were some players who played really well, so it's just sad that all that play wasn't rewarded with a win, but that's how it is. It's a team sport and we're all in it together. I think, as a development, maybe it's a good thing that it's happened in these two games because you need to cut out those mistakes at the top level. Right at him. Reese Nelson's sparkling start to life at Hoffenheim continues. Our on-loan winger scored a stunning curler to help Julian Nagelsmann's side to win 4-1 at Bayer Leverkusen last weekend. That goal was Reese's fifth in the Bundesliga this season 
and at 18 years, 10 months and 25 days of age, he became the third youngest player in the competition's history to reach five goals. Only former gunner Lukasz Podolski, 18 years, 10 months and 14 days, and Olaf Thorne, 18 years, 10 months and 15 days, reached the mini-milestone while younger than our teenager. Congratulations, Rhys, and keep those goals coming. Tyrese shining. Congratulations to Tyrese John Jules, who has been nominated for October's Premier League 2 Player of the Month award. The 17-year-old has impressed for Freddie Lundberg's side, scoring against Cheltenham Town in the Checker Trade Trophy, and proven himself to be a valuable member of the squad, having made the step up from the under-18s. Other contenders for the award are Ella Sorensen, Newcastle United, Joshua Barrett, Reading, Lars Sorensen, Stoke City, and Jan Dander, Swansea City. The winner will be announced at 10am tomorrow. Plague's pro debut. Well done to Academy product Julio Plegazuelo, who became the 860th player to represent our first team when starting last week's Carabao Cup fourth-round win over Blackpool. Plegi, who has been with us since 2013, impressed at the heart of defence, helping us to a 2-1 victory over a spirited seasardist side. He told us, I was meant to be playing yesterday for the under-21s in the Checker Trade Trophy, but I got a phone call that the first team needed me for training and I literally found out in training that I was starting. Everything happened so quickly and I'm so happy. I've been waiting a long time for this. There's a lot of hard work behind this and thank you very much to the boss for giving me the chance. I think after six years at the club I had some experience of going out on loan and I knew this was going to be a very important year for me. I kept working and I think I got the reward for that. The Academy alumni, Rui Fonte, tracking down a former Academy player as they make their mark elsewhere in professional football. When Arsenal arrived at their new stadium for their first season at Emirates Stadium, they did so with a new acquisition from tonight's visitors in their youth team, Rui Fonte. In three years with the club, the Portugal Youth International played just one first-team game for the Gunners when he came on as a substitute in a 3-0 League Cup victory over Wigan Athletic. He then spent time on loan with Crystal Palace, where his brother Jose was playing, before heading back to sporting. A nomadic career followed as Rui had loan spells at Vitoria Setubal and Espanyol before joining the latter permanently. He headed back to Benfica in his home country, then had a spell at Braga and last year returned to London to help Fulham with their promotion push in the championship. This season, Rui has once again hooked up with his big brother, Jose, and has joined Lille on loan, coming on as a second half. Vintage Port Arsenal v Portugal. Over the years, the Gunners have enjoyed some epic encounters with Portuguese opposition. Arsenal historian John Sperling casts his mind back to six memorable encounters, most of them for the right reasons. European Fairs Cup, Round 2, November 26, 1969. Arsenal 3, Graham 2, Radford, 
Sporting CP, nil. Arsenal won 3 nil on aggregate. With Arsenal struggling to find their form in the league, Bertie Mee's men needed the fillip of a good performance in the away leg of this Fairs Cup clash in the Portuguese capital. They gained a creditable nil-nil draw after Perez's 72nd-minute spot kick was saved by deputy goalkeeper Jeff Barnett. On a foggy night at Highbury a few weeks later, Sporting's intricate passing cut little ice with Arsenal's organised backline and the Gunners run out 3-0 winners on the night. George Graham powered home a header from a Jimmy Robertson's cross and then Arsenal's future manager flicked home a Bob McNabb shot. Pick of the bunch, though, was John Radford's neat pirouette and half volley from a Bob McNabb pass. It was definitely one of my best goals in an Arsenal shirt, he said afterwards, as Arsenal powered onwards towards Fairs Cup success. European Champions Challenge Match, August 4th, 1971. Arsenal 6, Roberts, Radford, Armstrong, Graham 2, Story, Benfica 2, Collado, Diamantino. With Arsenal keen to avenge a 2-0 defeat in Lisbon five days earlier, Batista and the talismanic Eusebio scored for Benfica in the first leg of the Champions Challenge match. A healthy 44,244 made their way to Highbury to see the reigning English and Portuguese champions lock horns. Arsenal raced into a 3-0 half-time lead with goals from John Roberts, John Radford and George Armstrong. A jaded Eusebio was subbed at half-time and his teammates clawed the score back to 3-2 before a goal from George Graham and a coolly taken Peter Storey penalty gave the Gunners a 6-2 victory on the day. Outraged Benfica players surrounded referee Norman Burtonshaw after the Gunners' fourth goal, claiming it was offside, and Burtonshaw, who had referred Arsenal's victory over Liverpool in the 1971 FA Cup final a couple of months earlier, reported the entire Benfica team to the FA. It was a feisty old friendly, Frank McClintock recalled later. European Cup, Round 2, November the 6th, 1991. Arsenal 1... Pates, Benfica 3, Isaias 2, Kolkov. Arsenal lost 4-2 on aggregate, AET. Arsenal gained a hard-fought draw in the intimidating Estadio Lutz in the first leg of this European Cup second-round clash, with a finely taken Kevin Campbell strike cancelling out Isaias' goal for the hosts. Gunners boss George Graham admitted that Arsenal had been fortunate to withstand Benfica's onslaught in front of 80,000 home supporters who lit Roman candles throughout a pulsating clash. In the second leg, Arsenal, clad in their classic early 90s acid house away kit, took the lead through defender Colin Pate's only goal in an Arsenal shirt. But then Isaias, Arsenal's torturer in Lisbon, took the game into extra time with a finely crafted equaliser. At this point, Arsenal deployed, in Tony Adams' words, helter-skelter tactics. Swedish star Stefan Schwartz fed Isaias and Kulkov killer through balls, and an uncharacteristically rattled and disorganised Arsenal had crashed out of the European Cup. We've just received a painful lesson from a team which played a European style of football, admitted Graham afterwards. UEFA Champions League group stage, September the 30th, 2008. Arsenal 4, 
Van Persie 2, Adebayor 2, Porto 0. Following a shock home defeat to Hull City the previous weekend, Arsene Wenger's side needed to recover quickly in their first Champions League group game of the season. With Samir Nasri back in the side, there was more energy about the Gunners, and Robert Van Persie slid into the convert Emmanuel Adebayor's cross to open the scoring before Adebayor headed in the Dutchman's corner to make it 2-0. Arsenal proceeded to miss the host of chances, but never lost their focus as they moved towards collecting three points, and Van Persie toe-poked his second on 48 minutes before Adebayor sealed matters by converting a penalty following a foul on Nicholas Bentner. Throughout the match, Theo Walcott's pace and trickery induced panic into Porto's ranks. This was a very comfortable and confident display, a contented Wenger said afterwards. UEFA Champions League, round of 16, March the 9th, 2010. Arsenal 5, Bentner 3, Nasri, Iboi, Porto 0. Arsenal won 6-2 on aggregate. Arsenal had recovered well from a disastrous opening few minutes in the Estadio de Gragio in the first leg of this Champions League last 16 clash after an own goal from Lukas Fabianski gave the host the lead. Sol Campbell, now in the second spell at Arsenal, headed in an equaliser, but Radamayal Falco poked in a Ruben Mikael free kick to give Porto a narrow first leg lead. Arsenal blitzed Porto in the return, and Nicholas Brentner scored two well taken goals to put the hosts 2 0 up after 20 minutes. The best goal of the night was scored by Samir Nasri, whose slaloming run and finishing put the tie beyond all doubt and guaranteed Arsenal's passage to the quarter-finals. With Porto's backline in disarray, Emmanuel Aboye skipped through to plunder a fourth and Bentner grabbed the first hat-trick of his career, wrapping up an emphatic 6-2 aggregate win with a late penalty. UEFA Champions League, Group Stage, November the 23rd, 2010. Arsenal 6, Fabregas 2, Arshavin, Chamak, Vela 2, Sporting Braga 0. Arsenal hopes of qualifying for the Champions League knockout stage appeared to suffer a huge blow when Braga's Mateus scored twice late on to earn the hosts a famous 2-0 victory in front of a, of a vociferous crowd shoehorned into the unique A. Pedriera, the quarry. The striker latched onto a long ball with seven minutes left to clip past Gunners goalkeeper Lukas Fabianski before running through in injury time to smash home. In the return match at the Emirates Stadium in November, Arsenal ran riot. A penalty by Czech Fabregas and a well-taken goal by Andrew Arshavin put the Gunners 2-0 up before superb interplay between Jack Wilshire and Marouane Chamak saw the Moroccan give the hosts a 3-0 half-time lead. Fabregas headed Arsenal's fourth before a late brace from Carlos Vela rounded off Arsenal's night in style. The Gunners taking a big step towards qualification for the knockout stage. Mesut Ozil, a creative player, should always have fun on the pitch. Mesut Ozil's journey from a football cage in Gelsenkirchen 
to North London in his own words, as told to Max Jones. Most kids only enjoy scoring goals, but ever since I was young, I've always loved to give assists. Why? It's simple, really. Through giving an assist, your friend can score and you help your team. Whenever I receive the ball, I always think offensively so I can pick out chances to score a goal or assist someone. That's why it's normal for me to always get the ball and play it forwards. In my opinion, a creative player should always have fun on the pitch and should trust their playing style in order to help the team. I've been playing this way my whole life, which is why I still enjoy giving my teammates assists to this day. It all goes back to when I was growing up in Gelsenkirchen, when I'd be playing for five hours a day. I was a football freak. I loved it. I would go to school, play football, and then play for my club afterwards. I'd finish school at 1pm and go to my club at 5pm. I filled those four hours in between by playing football with my friends. Then I'd go to training for another two hours or so. In summer, it would get dark a lot later. I'd look out, see my friends playing in the monkey cage and join them. I just played football almost all day, wearing my Zinedine Zidane shirt and trying to play exactly like him. It actually got to the stage where my dad spoke to my coach at Rottweiss Essen and said he can't play, he's tired and you can see that on the pitch because yesterday he spent 10 hours playing football with his mates. It wasn't just friendly matches with my friends. I used to test myself against the bigger kids too. I would play against my brother and his friends who were five or six years older than me. When I was 11, they were already 17 or 18. It was tough to play against them, and the pitch I grew up playing on wasn't that nice because it always had stones on it, but that helped me improve. You had to be really focused when you got the ball. I think that kind of stuff helped me more, and I would always go back for more. That's just how it was for me. Football was all there was. Maybe on the day before a game, I'd try not to play until 11pm, but I just wanted to do what I enjoyed. Football was, and still is, my life. The neighbourhood I grew up in was one where lots of foreigners had settled. Not just Turks, but people from all over. Lebanese, Middle Eastern, African, a real mixture. It maybe wasn't the nicest neighbourhood, or the prettiest, but I had so many friends living nearby. Friends from all those different backgrounds, and that meant I loved my childhood there. Some families in my neighbourhood occasionally went through difficult times, and football was the answer for us kids. It was an escape for us. You loved playing because it meant you had no problems. You'd stand on the pitch and football would be the only thing. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor or if you were German or Turkish. Football united us and we'd always be in such a good mood afterwards. Gelsengirchen is where I was born and grew up and where my family and friends live. I'm really connected to the city. I began my football career there and have really nice memories of Schalke. At the time, I had a coach, Norbert Elgert, who always supported me so well and took me forward just like Schalke. He was the man who made me believe I could achieve a lot as a footballer. I always knew that I had potential because people that watched my games would occasionally tell me that I was definitely going to make it professionally. But you don't really take that in, even when your family and friends and other people tell you about your potential. But when I joined Schalke from Rottweiss Essen, a club I also have really nice memories of, Norbert was the only person who took my game on. He taught me about tactics. He told me never to give up, to always carry on and never to be satisfied. I'm so thankful to him because he was very important in my development. I still have a lot of contact with him. When you look at Schalke's youth system at the time, it's amazing to see the players that came through. You have the likes of Julian Draxler, Manuel Neuer, myself, Benedict Howardes, Ralph Farman and more. At Schalke there were lots of established players who helped me. Guys like Lincoln, the Alton Top Twins... 
Kevin Koenai and Melian Krasic were all established pros and were always there for me. For me as a young player, to have leaders like that, guys who have lots of Bundesliga experience, praising me and giving me their full support, it gave me so much confidence. With Lincoln at that time at Schalke, everyone was watching him in Germany and everywhere else, of course, he was a Brazilian. What he showed us on the pitch was his performance was unbelievable and I learned a lot from him. We spoke a lot during those times at Schalke and he helped me a lot. He was fascinated with how cheeky I was on the pitch as a young player and at the confidence that I had. To hear that from such a big player obviously made me feel honoured and it was great fun to have a kick around with him and to learn from him. Then I went to Bremen and had some really nice times there. In my career, I've been very lucky in that I always arrived at clubs that had world-class players. Diego was one of those players at that time in Bremen who put in the performances. The whole Bundesliga was talking about him. The whole world was talking about him. He was a very interesting player. And when I used to watch him on the pitch, he was not the biggest player, but he was safe on the ball and ice cold in front of goal. He scored many goals for Bremen and taught me a lot too. Ultimately, in my position, everything's always tight. The moment you receive the ball in midfield, you're surrounded by three or four opponents who want to attack you. You just have to find the solutions quicker. So for me, everything happens automatically. Before I get the ball, I need to know exactly where I'm going to do with it. I learned a lot from these players and I'm really thankful to them. What I picked up from them helped me when I went to Real Madrid and I continue to learn from some of the best players in the world there. I dreamed of playing there because Zidane played for them as well. And I'll never forget the first time I met my idol. Jose Mourinho took him to the first team as his assistant coach. He was in the dressing room, so of course my hands were sweating. I was thinking about the time when I was young with my friends. I would buy his shirt and play as him in the cage where I was brought up. The feeling was very positive, but still I was only a young player at 20 or 21, something like that. In the end, though, he was really calm and I really enjoyed my first meeting with him. During my time in Spain, I got to know him quite well. I would always ask him how he knew before he'd even received the ball what the solutions were. That always fascinated me. And because we both played in the same position, I was desperate to learn as much as I could from him. After all, everything was different at Madrid. If you go from Werder Bremen, where you're a talented young player, to such a big club full of big players, you're nothing. If you play for Real Madrid, even if you get a draw against Barcelona, it's the worst thing in the world. You have to win every game. If you win 10 games in a row and then maybe draw at home against a smaller team in the next game, you're under so much pressure. I really learned about controlling the pressure and enjoying it while I was there. That's what I do now. Just enjoy playing under pressure. I had a good time there, a successful time too, and made good friends. My best friend was Sergio Ramos, and I'm still in contact with him. For me, he's the best defender in the world. He's a good guy, a good friend, and a good singer too. Believe it or not, he has a nice voice. Another thing people always ask me about is what it was like to play with Cristiano Ronaldo. And all I can say is that I've never seen a person like him. He works really hard. He's the first guy to get into the training ground, then the last one to leave. He's very professional and always wants to win, even in the training games. Of course, I was looking at what he was doing, even something as simple as just looking at his shooting technique. I really enjoyed playing with him because he's made me better on the pitch and he's a great guy off it too. I gave him loads of assists and he doesn't need me to remind him of that. It was easy to play with him because you didn't need to create a lot of chances. Even if I just gave him two passes, he would score two goals and that's why he's one of the greatest footballers who's ever lived. After three years in Madrid, it was time to move to a new capital, London. It was a special moment because when I moved to Real Madrid, Arsene Wenger had asked me if I wanted to come to Arsenal. I said, believe me, in the future, if I have the opportunity to change my club, you will be the first place for me. 
After that, we spoke and I decided to come to Arsenal because I remembered watching Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp and Robert Pires. Such great footballers. And I wanted to be a part of that too. I wanted to come here and be successful with this team. In my first and second year, I won the FA Cup and then another in 2017, so I'm enjoying playing for this club. I simply love living here. London is a world city. There's so much you can do. There are many different cultures here and I just feel very, very comfortable. The club's huge and I enjoy playing for Arsenal. Living in London is awesome. I've played for a few clubs, but to have my own song is a unique thing for me. When I heard it for the first time, I had goosebumps and I still get them every time that I hear it. I'm just really thankful for that amazing support. The fans have backed me ever since I arrived five years ago and because of that, I've been able to play in my preferred style. I always want to control the game, give assists and help my team. It was like that with me from the start. In my position, you have many possibilities playing forward. You can demand the balls, make telling passes or score yourself. I've been told so many times over the years that this is how Burkamp played. Of course, that makes me proud and it's an honour to be compared with him. Burkamp is a living legend at Arsenal and he was an amazing football player. But I do not want to compare myself with anybody. I have my own style and I've had it since I was a kid. I'm proud of these comparisons, but I am Mesut Ozil and I'm not finished yet. September 2nd, 2013 was when Mesut joined Arsenal from Real Madrid. September 14th, 2013 assists an Olivier Giroud goal 11 minutes into his debut as Arsenal beat Sunderland 3-1. October 1st, 2013 scores his first Arsenal goal in a 2-0 win over Napoli in the Champions League. October 2013 finishes the World Cup, qualifying as Germany's top scorer with eight goals. May 17th, 2014 wins his first trophy in North London as the Gunners beat Hull City 3-2 in the FA Cup final. July 13th, 2014 wins the World Cup with Germany, having scored a crucial 119th minute winner against Algeria in the round of 16. May 30th, 2015 wins a second FA Cup final, having assisted both Alex's goals in the 2-1 semi-final win over Reading. August 2nd, 2015, lifts the Community Shield as Arsenal beat Chelsea 1-0 in the season curtain raiser. May 15th, 2016, finishes the season with 19 Premier League assists, one behind Thierry Henry's all-time record. And on May 27th, 2017, wins the third FA Cup as Arsenal beat Chelsea 2-1 at Wembley. Squad number 10, appearances 206, goals 41. Assists 67, Germany Cats 92, Germany Goals 23, Arsenal Honours 4. Life at the top. 100 consecutive years in the top flight. Arsenal have spent 100 years at the very highest level of league football in this country. But how did our players scale the heights to get to the top of their profession? We find out. By Josh James. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. When did you first get into football? I'd say it was around the age of four. It was either football or basketball. And I chose football, maybe because my older brother played it. Do you remember the first time you played? I went to watch one of my brother's games and I was just messing around with the ball on the sideline with my dad. My brother, Corey, is a couple of years older and seeing him do so well made me want to do it too. Everyone looks up to their older brother, don't they? I think he made me have a lot of love for the game at that age. I used to train with him and his friends sometimes and they were all two years older, so that did me good too.
When did you first start playing for a team? I went into Sunday league football as soon as I could at the age of four or five. The team was called Lakeview FC. Did you watch football as well or just play it? I used to watch quite a bit with my dad and I remember watching Bergkamp and Henri. I went to one game at Highbury. I think it was the last ever game there, actually, in 2006. I was about seven or eight. What was your first Saturday team? That would have been Arsenal. I joined the Hale End Academy when I was six. I'd been playing every Sunday and a few different scouts came to watch, but Arsenal was always in my heart and also local to where I lived, so my first team was Arsenal. What position did you play back then? I was a striker back in the day. I scored quite a few goals. I was fast, nippy, and got in behind the defence. I went to the wing when I was about 12. They told me I was too small to be a striker. Are there any early games that spring to mind? A lot. I remember a few from the under-sevens. There was one away to Milton Keynes. It was one of the best games I played at that age in the number 10 role. I had a free role and I really enjoyed it, and I remember working hard that game. I think it was the start of me picking up a work ethic and pushing on. Which coaches influenced you back then? Carl Larriman and Steve Leonard. He was a very good coach. Mark Arbour was there at the time as well. They all influenced me. My brother also gave me a lot of advice. He would come to watch the games and was a defender himself, so he would tell me about what was difficult for defenders to play against. He was at West Ham for a while. Did you ever have periods where you didn't enjoy football or want to quit? Well, yes, of course, you always have those ups and downs. If you want to get to the top, it's never a smooth ride. There were times after bad games when I would speak to my dad and say, I don't want to play football anymore. It happened a few times, but he always pushed me through it. He said, this is what you were born to do. And it all worked out. I think I lacked a bit of confidence and motivation at the time. Did you make sacrifices? Oh, yeah. There were a lot of early nights when I couldn't chill out with my school friends because of training. I missed out on certain types of food and stuff like that. It was all worth it in the end. You have to push some things aside so you can focus if that's what you really want to do in life. Was there a key moment early in your career that shaped your future? I think there was, at under-13 level, when I had one of those moments again. I'd played one of the worst games of my life, and I spoke to my dad afterwards, had a cry about it, and that was it. I wanted to stop. At that age, that's what I thought I wanted to do, but my dad said some wise words, and 20 minutes later, I'd changed my mind. From then, I think I changed my whole approach and the way I acted on the pitch. What was it like to sign your pro contract? It was a wonderful feeling. I had turned 17 two months earlier, and my mum, my dad and my brother were all there, so was my agent. At the time I thought, yeah, I've achieved what I wanted, a professional contract. But you know as well that it's just a stepping stone. It doesn't mean anything. It's a reward for working hard. But what can you do next? 
Do you remember training with the first team? Oh, yes. That was before I signed pro. I was still a scholar. I was 16, so you can imagine how nervous I was. Neil Bamfield came over to tell me. He was always pushing me to be the best player I could be, so I have a lot to thank him for. It was nice to be close to some of the players as well. The first session was really good. The boss smiled at me, and you never got to see that much. It was a great session. I was delighted, and I went straight to the changing room after to text my dad, Dad, I trained with the first team. I was buzzing. And your first team debut? Away in the Champions League against Galatasaray. Wow, that was cool. A few days before, I'd been on the bench at Stoke, but didn't get to come on. Then I travelled to Galatasaray. I thought I had a chance of playing because we'd already qualified. I spent the night before getting as much rest as I could. I came on at half-time. Then afterwards I spoke to my dad, then my brother, and my mum. It was one of those moments that will never leave your mind. I still have the shirt. My mum got it framed and put on the wall. What's been your best moment since then? Joining the first team dressing room permanently at the beginning of last season. I think I can say that's my best memory of all, because all those years I was working towards exactly this moment. I could look back on it all and say it was worth something. It was always where I wanted to end up. How different are you now to the boy in the academy? A lot different. I was a really stroppy kid, and as soon as something went wrong, I wasn't interested. I changed as I grew up, from speaking to older people and trying to mimic them. Even watching the stars of the time, people like Thierry Henry, how they react and how they behave feeds into what you do as well. I have a lot of belief in my ability and can play in a few positions. I've changed everything, on the pitch and off it. As you get older, you get more belief. Your passion for the game grows and your ability increases as well as you work harder. You see the results and it makes you keep pushing to get better every day. What words of advice have stayed with you? You get out what you put in from every day. If you don't work hard one day, that's the day you go missing. Every day is a chance to improve your knowledge of the game, your fitness and your technical ability. So make the most of it every day. Match action. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Saturday, November the 3rd, 2018. 5.30. Emirates Stadium. Premier League attendance, 59,993. Arsenal 1, Liverpool 1. Match that for Arsenal. Total shots, 12. Shots on target, 4. Corners, 5. Offsides, 7. Fouls, 7. Possession, 62%. Liverpool, total shots, 13. Shots on target, 4. Corners, 8. Offsides, 1. Fouls 7, possession 38%. The atmosphere today was very big, with the supporters pushing for 90 minutes. Today is a very good spectacle for them 
and for us. First half. Alexandra Lacassette's late equaliser extended the Gunners' unbeaten run to 14 games, but it could have been even better after a strong showing against Liverpool, particularly in the first half. Unaya Emery's men started well, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang forcing a save and Henrik Mkhitaryan seeing his header drop just wide after he had beaten Alisson to a deep cross. Liverpool then stepped up a gear, and Sadio Mane had a goal ruled out for a marginal offside after Roberto Firmino's shot came to him off the post. But the Gunners hit back, with Lacassette shooting just wide, and then also seeing an effort disallowed for offside. Somehow, the half ended goalless, with Van Dijk heading against the post in stoppage time. Second half. Arsenal started the second half on the front foot, yet it was the visitors who took the lead just past the hour mark when Bernd Leno parried Sadio Mane's cross and James Milner fired home from the rebound. Almost immediately, Lucas Turrier forced a fingertip save from Alisson, but it was a substitute who would change the course of the game. Alex Iwobi was lively from the moment he stepped onto the pitch, and it was his pass that released Lacazette to twist and turn before firing home the equaliser. Arsenal had matched Liverpool, and this was a performance to build on. Arsenal, Leno, 19, Bellerin, 2, Mustafi, 20, Holding, 16, Kalasanak, 31, was substituted in the 81st minute. Torreira, 11, Xhaka, 34, Mkhitaryan, 7, was substituted in the 68th minute. Ozil, 10. Aubameyang, 14, was substituted in the 73rd minute. Lacassette, 9, was yellow-carded. Substitutes. Czech, 1. Licksteiner, 12. Maitland-Niles, 15. Ramsey, 8, was substituted in the 73rd minute. Iwobi, 17, was substituted in the 68th minute. Smith-Rowe, 55. Welbeck, 23, was substituted in the 81st minute. Liverpool. Allison, 13. Alexander-Arnold, 66. Gomez, 12. Van Dyke, 4. Robertson, 26. Wijnaldum, 5. Fabinho, 3, was yellow-carded. Milner, 7. Salah, 11, was substituted in the 90th minute. Firmino, 9, was substituted in the 80th minute. Mane, 10. Substitutes, Mignolet, 22. Marino, 18. Matip, 32, was substituted in the 90th minute. Lalana, 20. Shakiri, 23, was substituted in the 80th minute. Origi, 27. Sturridge, 15. 8. Arsenal have won more points from losing positions than any other Premier League team this season. 8. 10. Following Alex Iwobi's assist, Arsenal subs have been involved in 10 Premier League goals this season, more than any other side. 19. The Gunners have scored more second-half goals than any other team in this season's Premier League. 19.
seen around Europe, catching up with the state of play in the major leagues around the continent. Spain. The big story of the opening few months has been the poor performance of Real Madrid. Both Real and Barcelona have dropped early points in La Liga, but it's the reigning European champions, Real, who've suffered most, and the recent 5-1 defeat to their rivals in the recent El Clasico was the final straw as far as their manager, Julian Lopetegui, was concerned. He was sacked after just 14 games in charge to be replaced on an interim basis by Santiago Solari. Barcelona's victory at the Nou Camp, achieved without the injured Lionel Messi, took them back to the top of the table, but no team in Spain has an unbeaten record two months into the campaign. Barcelona are four points clear of the top thanks to a late turnaround against Rayo Vallecano on Saturday. They were trailing 2-1 with three minutes remaining, but Usmane Dembele and Luis Suarez scored dramatic late goals. They are in sixth, having already suffered four defeats, but they followed a winless October by beating Valladolid with two late goals on Saturday. France, the French League One title already looks like Paris Saint-Germain's to lose. Unai Emery's former team have made a record-breaking 100% start, averaging more than three goals a game and conceding just seven from the opening 12 games. Star strikers Kylian Mbappe and Neymar are, not surprisingly, at the heart of the storming start with 11 and nine goals respectively. However, Mbappe was dropped by manager Thomas Tuchel for PSG's recent win over Marseille for turning up late to a pre-match meeting. Elsewhere, lowly Monaco is still looking for their first win under new boss Thierry Henry. The Arsenal legend has earned two points from four games in charge so far, so he looks to lift the 2017 champions out of the bottom three. Another former gunner looking to haul his team up the table is Patrick Vieira. The captain of the Invincibles took over at Nice at the start of the season, but has won just five of his 12 games at the helm, leaving Nice in ninth place. Goals have been hard to come by for his side, and striker Mario Balotelli is yet to register this term. Nice and Monaco meet on December the 8th. Italy. Hunting an eight-successive Serie A title, Juventus remains the only unbeaten side in Italy and are six points clear at the top. Only Genoa have taken a point from Juve so far this season when they drew one all in Turin last month. Cristiano Ronaldo scored Juve's goal in that match, becoming the first player to score 400 goals in Europe's top five leagues. At the other end of the pitch, former gunner Rocek Chesney is also having a fine season with six clean sheets in all competitions so far. His former Arsenal teammate David Ospina is also impressing while on loan at third place Napoli. AC Milan with new CEO Ivan Gazidis now in situ occupy the fourth and final Champions League spot at the moment. They face unbeaten league leaders Juventus at home this Saturday evening. At the other end of the table, Chievo have a negative points tally after 11 games. They've drawn two and lost the other nine, but had three points deducted for accounting irregularities, for which President Luca Cambadelli is currently serving a three-month ban. Germany. There's the unusual sight of a team other than Bayern Munich topping the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund remain unbeaten after ten games, with Lucien Favre's side looking to end Bayern's six-year dominance of the title. Teenage England youth international winger Yeron Shanko has been one of their star performers in the opening months of the campaign and they take on Bayern, who've already lost twice at 5.30pm this Saturday. Occupying the final Europa League spot at the moment are Mesut Özil's former team, Werder Bremen, despite their recent 6-2 thrashing by Bayer Leverkusen. History was made in that game when forward Claudio Pizarro became only the second 40-year-old to score in Bundesliga history, netting for the 19th consecutive year in the top flight. 
22 years his junior, Arsenal's Rhys Nelson is impressing on loan at Hoffenheim. This weekend he became the third youngest player in the history of the league to reach five goals. He brought up the landmark with a superb goal in the in the win over Bayer Leverkusen. He scored at a rate of one every 63 minutes so far this term. Portugal. Tonight's opponents... Sporting are right in the mix in the Portuguese Primeira Liga, but it's very tight at the top. They find themselves third at the moment outside the Champions League qualification places, but are just two points off the top of the table, currently led by Porto. Sporting have a 100% record at home this season, apart from their defeat to us on the last Europa League matchday, and don't host Porto until the new year. The return match is scheduled for the last day of the season. But it's a midfielder for one of the less fashionable sides, Portimonense, who's been creating many of the headlines lately. Shoya Nakajima won the September Player of the Month award and impressed again last month, scoring a brace in the 4-2 win over Sporting. Braga are the only unbeaten side in the country, but they failed to even make it into the group stages of the Europa League this season, losing to Zoria of Ukraine in the qualifying rounds. Arsenal winning. Joe Montemiro's gunners equal a WSL record and stay on course at the top of the table. Arsenal. Peroid Magnin, Evans, Williamson, Quinn, Mitchell, Walty, Vanderdonk, Nobbs, McCabe, subbed for Samuelson, 79, Mead, subbed for Kem, 90, Medima, Subs not used. Van Vienendal, Kuken, Bloodworth. Women's Super League, Sunday, November the 4th. Arsenal 3. Nobbs scored in the 59th and 90th minute. Vanderdonk in the 67th minute from a penalty. Birmingham City 1. Follis in the 60th minute. Arsenal equaled the best ever start to a WSL campaign by winning their seventh game in a row against a battling Birmingham City at Meadow Park last Sunday. Jordan Nobbs scored two goals and Danielle Vanderdonk did the damage as the Gunners maintained their three-point lead at the top of the table. Joe Montemiro reverted to a back four with Lisa Evans pushing forward into midfield when Arsenal had the ball and Nobbs in the number 10 role in between Katie McCabe and Beth Mead and behind Vivian Medema, who had scored 14 goals in eight appearances. The visitors, who had conceded just three goals in six games and held both Chelsea and Manchester City to draws, were always going to be difficult to break down, and the early stages were hard going. McCabe curled an effort over the bar and Nobbs forced two good saves from anne Catherine Berger, but the scores remained level at the break. Arsenal moved up a gear in the second half, with Medema heading just wide and Nobbs forcing another save. But Berger could do nothing when Mead played Nobbs through to notch her seventh league goal of the season. The lead didn't last, however, as the Blues raced up the field from the restart and levelled through Emma Follis. Still the Gunners pressed forward and were rewarded when Vanderdonk converted a penalty after Evans was brought down in the box. Once again the visitors pushed for an equaliser but they were undone in injury time when the hosts broke forward and Nobbs sealed the points with a thumping finish. 
Jordan edging towards the top. Jordan Nobbs' double against Birmingham City moved her up to joint fifth in the all-time WSL goal-scoring chart on Sunday, and with eight goals in seven league games, this season she's only set to climb higher. Top of the list, after scoring a double herself on Sunday, is Manchester City's Nikita Paris with 37 goals. She overhauled former Chelsea striker Eniola Aluka on 36 and moved clear of Birmingham's Rachel Williams, who has 35. Former Arsenal striker Ellen White, who is also at Birmingham but is currently injured, is on 33, while Nobbs' 32 goals moved her level with former Man City striker Tony Duggan, who's now at Barcelona. Keep moving on up, Jordan. Tabia makes her debut. Sunday was also a big day for Tabia Kem, who made her long-awaited Arsenal debut as a late substitute in the win at Meadow Park. German international Tabia, who joined the club from Turbine Potsdam this summer, replaced Beth Mead in the 90th minute after battling back from a serious knee injury. The hugely versatile 26-year-old joined Potsdam at the age of 14 and was initially a forward, but she can also play at fullback, on the wing and in central midfield. She won the Women's Champions League in 2009-10 and four Bundesliga titles with the German Giants and we look forward to seeing more of her all over the pitch for Arsenal. Dan's up and running. The good news keeps on coming. As forward Danielle Carter revealed on Twitter last week that she is running again. Dan, who was the leading appearance maker in the squad on 178 until being overtaken by Jordan Nobbs two weeks ago, suffered a serious anterior cruciate ligament injury during the 6-1 win at Bristol City on the final day of the last season. Fingers crossed for a full recovery and we look forward to seeing you back in action, Dan. The Visitors Sporting CP, an in-depth look at today's opposition, including the latest news from Lisbon, the key players, historical info, plenty of stats and some eclectic facts. Without a domestic league title since 2002, Sporting are in the mix this season, but their away form has been sketchy with successive defeats at Braga and Portimonense, stalling their progress. They did win their only away fixture so far in the Europa League, however scoring two late goals to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and beat Vorskla 2-1 in Ukraine on match day two and thus double their points tally after beating Quarabag at home on the opening night. Clearly, the Portuguese giants will be itching for revenge against Arsenal tonight. One of the big three of Portuguese football alongside Benfica and FC Porto, Sporting Club de Portugal, to give them their full official name, hail from the capital Lisbon and have been domestic champions 18 times, in addition to winning 16 Portuguese Cups. Their only European success came 54 years ago in Cup Winners' Cup, although they did reach the UEFA Cup final in 2005, only to lose 3-1 to CSKA Moscow in a match played at their home Jose Avaladid Stadium. Sporting are regulars in Europe. In fact, they've only missed two seasons of continental participation since that 1964 Cup Winners' Cup success when they beat Hungarian side MTK 1-0 in a replay. They've had eight Champions League campaigns but are more used to competing in the Europa League. This is the eighth season out of ten they've been involved at some stage, their best performance coming in 2011-12 when they beat Manchester City en route to the semi-finals. 
Until two weeks ago, Sporting's only encounters with Arsenal had been in the 1969-70 Fairs Cup, with the Gunners winning the second round tie 3-0 thanks to a victory by the same score at Highbury. The Lisbon side didn't have a great record in England, having lost on nine of their 13 visits and five of the last six, most recently 3-1 at Chelsea in the 2014-15 Champions League group stage. Sporting were in the Champions League last season, finishing third in their group behind Barcelona and Juventus, and then crossing over into the Europa League, where they reached the quarter-finals, only to be eliminated by eventual winners Atletico Madrid. Sporting finished third in the Portuguese Primeira Liga last season and were runners-up in the Domestic Cup after a shock 2-1 defeat in the final by Desportivo Aves. There was turmoil at the club in the days leading up to the cup final last season when a major incident involving fans and players at the club's training ground led to several of the senior players rescinding their contracts. Some, such as Euro 2016 winners Rui Patricio from Wolves and William Cavallo Belis, left this summer, whereas others included Bruno Fernandes, Baz Dost and Rodrigo Battaglia eventually relented and stayed. There's plenty of talent in the sporting squad and their captains played well at the Emirates down the years. The breakdown. Familiar face. Look down the sporting CP lineup, and you'll probably be drawn to one name, that of Emiliano Viviano. The Italian goalkeeper spent the 2013-14 season with us on loan, acting as backup to Wojciech Szczesny and Lukas Fabianski before going on to join Sampdoria. A former teammate of Lucas Torreira, Viviano impressed during his time at the Genoa club and signed for tonight's visitors in the summer. The familiar faces, number 17, Nani, born Amadora, Portugal, 17th of November 1986, previously with Sporting, Man United, Sporting on loan, Fenerbahce, Valencia, Lazio on loan. Former Manchester United winger Nani returned this summer to the club that sold him to Old Trafford as a 20-year-old in 2007. Appointed captain by former coach Jose Pesero, the long-serving Portugal international with 112 caps to his name has been one of the Lions' most impressive performers this season. A four-time Premier League champion with United during Sir Alex Ferguson's reign, he's had less success in his various European ports of call since then, but did play a major role in helping Portugal win Euro 2016, starting all seven games and scoring three goals. Number four. Sebastian Coates, born Montevideo, Uruguay, 7th of October 1990, previously with Nacional, Liverpool, Nacional on loan and Sunderland. Recruited by Liverpool from Uruguayan club Nacional back in 2011 after impressing in his country's Copa America triumph, Sebastian never managed to make a name for himself at Anfield, but he did remain in England after an injury curtailed spell to sign for Sunderland in 2015 after a season there on loan. Six months later, he moved to Sporting, once again on loan, before agreeing a permanent move, and he's since become a mainstay of the defence. A regular squad member for Uruguay, at the last few major tournaments, he'll be keen to atone tonight for his error that led to Danny Welbeck's goal in Lisbon. Awesome alumni. Some of the biggest world stars in recent history began their careers at Sporting. Luis Figo spent a decade at the club between 1985 and 1995 before leaving for Barcelona. And two years after Figo departed Lisbon, Cristiano Ronaldo joined the club's youth ranks. He was promoted to the first-team squad for the 2002-03 season and, after impressing in the Primera Liga, joined Manchester United at the end of the campaign. Go further back and you'll find the name Fernando Peroteo in the club's record books. A truly prolific striker, the Angola-born forward scored a sensational 544 goals for the club in just 334 games. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The creator-in-chief. Number eight, Bruno Fernandes, born Maya, Portugal, 8th of September, 1994. Previously, Novara, Udinese and Sampdoria. The gifted 24-year-old attacking midfielder looks set to leave sporting after just one season following a training ground incident in May when the players were attacked by around 50 of the club's supporters. However, the man voted Primeira Liga Player of the Season in 2017-18, his first season in Portugal after five years in Italy, where he played alongside Lucas Torreira at Sampdoria, decided to prolong his stay after returning from World Cup duty in Russia with Portugal, where he started the opening game against Spain. He's been on the field for every minute of Sporting's Europa League campaign so far. Big three. Portugal's big three have won all but two Primera Liga titles since the league was founded in 1935. Sporting's 18 puts him third behind Benfica at 36 and Porto at 28. Late show. In 2015, Sporting ended a seven-year trophy drought in dramatic fashion, trailing Braga by two goals and down to ten men at half-time in the Portuguese Cup final. Islam Slimani netted in the 83rd minute and Freddy Montero equalised in injury time. Sporting went on to win on penalties. The man in charge was current Everton boss Marco Silva. British Roots Sporting have had no fewer than 10 British managers throughout their history. There's an Arsenal connection too. Scotsman Charlie Bell had previously made a solitary appearance for us in 1913, scoring twice before becoming Sporting's first British coach in 1919. He won the Lisbon Championship during his two spells in charge. Those to follow in his footsteps are Arthur John, Bob Kelly, Randolph Galloway, Ronnie Allen, Jimmy Hagen, Malcolm Allison, John Toshak, Keith Birkinshaw and Sir Bobby Robson. The Basics, full name, Sporting Club de Portugal, founded 1906, nickname Leos or Lions, Stadium Estadio, José Alvalade, Stadium Capacity 50,095, President Federico Verandas. Number 10, 
Freddie Montero, born Campo de la Cruz, Colombia, 26th of July, 1987, previously with Deportivo Cali, Academia on loan, Atlético Cuelo on loan, Seattle Sounders, Millonarios on loan, Sporting, Tianjin, Tidir, Vancouver Whitecaps on loan. A former Colombian international, he returned for a second spell at Sporting in January after two years in the Chinese Super League and with the Vancouver Whitecaps in the MLS, where he made his name as a prolific marksman for Seattle Sounders from 2009 to 12. The 31-year-old striker scored three goals in last season's Europa League, including the winner in the quarter-final second leg at home to Atletico Madrid and was also on target this season on match day two in the 2-1 win at Vorskla. Number 28, Bas Dost. Born Deventer, Netherlands, 31st of May 1989. Previously with Emmen, Heracles Almelo, Hirenveen and Wolfsburg. A €10 million Euro recruit from German club Wolfsburg in August 2016 when he arrived to replace Leicester-bound Islam Slimani, the tall Dutch striker had a debut season to remember, scoring 34 goals to win the Premier League's Golden Boot. He supplied an identical number in 2017-18, ending up with 34 in all competitions, 27 of them in the league. Injury has restricted his activity this season and he missed the first game against Arsenal but he was back in the starting eleven last week and will hope to give the Gunners' defence something to think about tonight with his towering aerial presence. The Argentinians, number 16 and number 9. Number 16, Rodrigo Bataglia, born Moron, Argentina, 12th of July 1991, previously with Huracan, Racing Club, Barga, Moriense on loan, Rosario Central on loan and Chavez on loan. The rugged 27-year-old central midfielder has experienced something of a chequered career since impressing as a youth in his homeland with Huracan, but he enjoyed an excellent debut season with Sporting last term after arriving from Braga, notably in Europe, where he clocked up 12 appearances and scored two goals, including a vital extra-time strike at Victoria Pleasant in the round of 16. He was in Argentina's standby squad for the World Cup in Russia and made his senior debut against Colombia in a September friendly. Number nine, Marcos Acuna, born Zabala, Argentina, 28th of October 1991. Previously, with Ferro Carril Oeste, Racing Club, Arguably the most eye-catching sporting player in the first encounter against Arsenal a fortnight ago, the Argentinian international was nominally the team's left-back, but spent most of the game driving forward and causing problems for the right side of the Gunners' defence. Stocky and skillful, the 27-year-old left-footer joined Sporting in the summer of 2017 from Racing Club, with whom he won the Argentinian title in 2014 and did enough in his debut season to earn a place in Argentina's World Cup squad, although he will have less than fond memories of his only start at the tournament, a 3-0 defeat by Croatia. The Lone E, number 86, Nemanja Gudelic, born Belgrade, Serbia, 16th of November 1991, previously with NEC Breda, AZ Alkabar, Ajax, Tianjin Teda, Guangzhou Evergrande, on loan from Chinese Super League club Guangzhou Evergrande. The Serbian midfield anchorman is back in Europe, where he once starred for Ajax, starting all 34 games as the Amsterdam club. Finished runners-up in the 2015-16 Eredivisie, before falling out of favour the following season and moving to China. He spent his formative years in the Netherlands, but was born in Belgrade and is a Serbian international with 21 caps. Although he didn't represent his country at the World Cup in Russia, despite having played in all but one game of their successful qualifying campaign. The boss, Tiago Fernandez, born August 17th, 1981, Games 1, previously sporting youth assistant coach. 
appointed as Sporting's interim coach to replace Jose Pazerio, who was dismissed from his post last week after only three months in the job. Tiago Fernandez is the son of sporting legend Manuel Fernandez and had a modest playing career as a midfielder before becoming a scout and assistant to his father at Lerea and Vitoria Sidobal. He joined Sporting as a youth coach in 2012 and led the under-19 to the Portuguese title in 2016-17 before becoming an assistant to Pizzerio at the start of this season. He got off to a winning start at the weekend by leading the team to a 2-1 comeback win over Santa Clara in the Azores. Off the mark in Lisbon, our victory at Jose Alvalade Stadium on match day three was the first time we've ever won away at a Portuguese side, and it came at the seventh attempt. Our first match on Portuguese soil ended in a nil-nil draw against tonight's opposition in 1969. We drew one all at Benfica in 1991 and nil-nil at Porto in 2006, before the latter beat us in both 2008 and 2010. We also suffered defeat to Braga in the same year. Michael Cox's scouting report Sporting need their star striker back to convert promising build-up play into goals. So far this season, Sporting Lisbon have shown all the hallmarks of a typical Portuguese side. They're a well-coached, cohesive unit, boasting midfielders who use the ball efficiently, two flying wingers capable of switching flanks, but sometimes lack a ruthless penalty box striker who can convert dominance into goals. Things could be different tonight, however, because Sporting have welcomed back Dutch striker Baza Dust after two and a half months out injured. His goal-scoring record since moving to Portugal in 2016 is extraordinary, better than a goal every game. Dust won't be up to full speed after his layoff and might struggle to run in behind Arsenal's high defensive line, but is a hugely dangerous target man who thrives on crosses, generally finishing with one touch. Interim manager Tiago Fernandez is likely to start with only one centre forward with Colombian Fridi Montero the alternative. More of a technical player who likes picking up the ball in deeper positions, Montero might be favoured from the outset with Dost a late super sub. They offer very different qualities. In the first leg, former coach Jose Pacero played a slightly defensive version of his favoured 4 3 3, using star midfielder Bruno Fernandez as one of the front three. He thrives when allowed to break forward from the top of a midfield trio, however, and he's likely to cause more problems in that role. Capable of driving midfield runs, long-range shots and clever passes, on his day, Fernandez is a superb all-round attacking threat. The surefire starter out wide is captain Nani, who performed well on this ground in his Manchester United days. Generally playing from the right, Nani's ambidexterity means he can play on either flank, cutting inside or going down the line in turn. Rafinha, a young Brazilian who performed well for Vitoria Guimarães last season, could start on the opposite flank. Sporting's key defensive midfielder is Rodrigo Bataglia, who recently made his debut for Argentina and is a typical no-nonsense ball-winning midfielder who can also pass the ball adeptly. Nemanja Gudelja is a good technical performer alongside him. Marcos Aguna is another option, boasting great versatility, although his number nine shirt is slightly odd as centre-forward is one of the few roles he never plays. Defensively, Sporting looked vulnerable to the speed of Arsenal's attackers in the reverse fixture. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang twice ran in behind for decent chances, while the eventual winner from Danny Welbeck came in similar circumstances. Sebastian Coates, once of Liverpool, is commanding in the air and good with the ball at his feet, but speed isn't his speciality. The same can be said of his centre-back colleague, former Barcelona man Jeremy Matteo. The Frenchman is a reliable operator, but at 34 no longer offers his old turn of speed. He's a threat at set pieces, though, both with left-footed free kicks and as an aerial target 
at the far post. Goalkeeper Romain Salin has the task of replacing the outstanding Rui Patricio and has a tendency to punch rather than catch. He could still have his hands full tonight. Last five Primera Liga finishes. 2017-18 third, 2016-17 third, 15-16 second, 14-15 third and 2013-14 second. Four to represent both sides. Rafael Mead, Louis Boromorte, Rui Fonte and Joel Campbell. Last five away European results. Vorskia 1, Sporting 2, Atletico Madrid 2, Sporting 0, Victoria Pleasant 2, Sporting 1, Astana 1, Sporting 3, Bayer Leverkusen 3 and Sporting 1. Five most recent managers, Jose Pizarro, 2018, Jorge Jesus, 2015-2018, Marco Silva, 2014-2015, Leonardo Jardim, 2013-2014, and Gesualdo Ferreira, 2013. Teams for Arsenal had coach Unai Emery. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. 1. Petra Cech, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 4. Mohamed Elneny. 5. Socrates Popastathopoulos. 6. Laurent Koscielny. 7. Henrik Mkhitaryan. 8. Aaron Ramsey. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 11. Lukas Torreira. 12. Stephen Lichsteiner 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles 16. Rob Holding 17. Alexei Wobi 18. Nacho Monreal 19. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper 20. Schroeder Mustafi 23. Danny Welbeck 25. Carl Jenkinson 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper 27. Konstantinos Mavrapanos 29. Matur Gunduzi 31. Seat Kolasinac 34. Granit Xhaka 49. Eddie Anquitia 53. Julio Plegazuelo 55. Emil Smith-Rowe For Sporting CP, coach Thiago Hernandez Green and white hoop shirts, black shorts and socks 1. Emiliano Viviano, goalkeeper 4. Sebastian Coates 5. Jefferson 6. Andre Pinto 8. Bruno Hernandez 9. Marcos Acuna 10. Freddy Montero 13. Stefan Ristovsky 16. Rodrigo Battaglia 17. Nani 18. Carlos Mane 19. Romain Salin, goalkeeper 20. Lumo 21. Rafinha 22. Jeremy Mathieu 23. Abdoulaye Diaby 25. Radosev Petrovic 27. Josip Misic 28. Bastost 30. Luke Castaños 37. Wendell 40. Renan Ribeiro Goalkeeper 54. Pedro Marx 61. Diogo Bras 63. Thiago Diallo 68. Daniel Braganca 75. Abdu Conte 76. Bruno Gaspar 77. Giovanni Cabral 80. Bruno Paz 81. Louis Maximiano Goalkeeper 86. Nemanja Gudelia 
89. Elvis Balde 90. Miguel Lewis 95. Thierry Carrera 99. Diogo Souza, goalkeeper Officials Tonight's officials are all from Lithuania Referee Gediminas Mizaika Assistant Referees Vitotas Simkus Vitenis Kazlaskas Fourth Official Dovidas Suziadelis Additional Assistant Referees Manfredas Lukian Kukas Robertas Valikonis Fixtures Tonight's other Group E game 8pm kickoff. Vosklav versus Karabakh The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport And that brings us to the end of this audio communication from Arsenal. Acronis. Backup. Cyber protection for your data. Keep your data safe with the most secure backup. www.acronis.com Future. Forever faster. Humor. Premier League. Official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. The Gunners are green. Emirates Stadium is powered by 100% green electricity from Octopus Energy. Now you can get the same power for your home. Switch today to cheaper, greener energy with exclusive Arsenal prize drawers every month. Find out more online at afc.octopus.energy. Switching takes just two minutes. Octopus Energy. Arsenal official energy partner. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.